Well, I, uh, my wife, I woke up this morning, my wife said, just when you get there, don't try and be funny. Don't say anything like really awesome. Don't be handsome. Just be yourself. I'm like, that's how she sees me. So, <laughs> so I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit comes today and shares his word with us. I want to share a word with us today that will change your life forever. How many of you want a word from God that will change your life forever? Yeah. For his glory and for your joy. So let's turn in our Bibles today to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6. Jeremy looked at Matthew 5 last week, right? And this week we're going to do 6. I'm just going to focus on what's called the Lord's Prayer, probably better called the Disciples' Prayer that Jesus gives them and teaches the disciples how to pray. Um, so let me read through this, and then I'm going to pray this for the church, and then we'll get into the Word of God. Matthew 6, 6 through 15 says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they, that they, they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. Do not be like them. Says, for your father knows the things you have need of even before you ask him. In this manner, therefore, pray. So he says, this is how I want you to pray. Now, if, if Jesus, the Son of God, steps out of heaven, he's an eternal intercessor, been in conversation with the Father forever, says, this is how you're supposed to pray. Do you think you should pray this way? Yes. Yeah, please. <laughs> That's a really good idea. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, so says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This is God's word. Father, I thank you for this morning. Father in heaven, our Father, our Father who never abandons our good Father who gives good gifts to his children. Father of glory, we ask that your kingdom would come today so that your name, Father, might be glorified and treasured and made much of here at Bless the City. Father, we ask that your will would be done today Lord, fulfill your good pleasures in us and through us. Father, we ask that you would give us this day our daily bread. God, be our provider. Lord, financially, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, physically, in every way, Father, provide for us today. We ask that you'd forgive us our sins. 
not just individually, but even here corporately today. Forgive us, oh God. Forgive us as we forgive others, God. We ask that you lead us today, Lord. We yield to your leadership. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus, Father. And God's people said, amen. Amen. I think we're good. God's answering, we're done. No. <laughs> Love praying the Lord's Prayer. I want to share with you today a few lessons I've learned over the years. I've been praying this for, I don't know, 20, 25 years, almost every day. Missed a few along the way. And this is the prayer that has changed my life more than anything else. Jesus really is um, a man of truth. And when he shares with us, this is how I want you to do it. He really, really means it. So I want to challenge you and invite you to pray this daily. I think it's supposed to be a daily prayer because he says, give us this day our daily bread. In fact, I kind of like to pray it in the morning before I head off to work and start my day and all the responsibilities that I have. Um, I mean, in in, in a number of ways. Number one, I want to line up with what's on God's heart. And I think these are the things that are most on God's heart that his name would be glorified, that his kingdom would come, his will would be done. He wants to be our provider. He wants us to walk in forgiveness and and in good relationships with one another. These things are very important to the Father. So I want to start those things, asking for these things at the beginning of the day and start my day with God. Uh, And I think, too, you know, it says, leave me not into temptation. So I'm like, okay, I better pray in the morning so I don't sin all day long. What do you think? (laughs) No, it's a good idea because I know I'm vulnerable to temptation. So, Lord, help me in the morning. And, um, yeah, so let me uh, just share a couple thoughts with you of of things that I've learned in this. Um, Let me just share a little bit, too, just about what prayer is maybe to start. Um, Prayer to me is simply this, developing friendship with God. It's learning to walk with him, learning to keep company with him talking to God, listening to God. I think prayer is a, is, is, it's like the conversational part of the most important love relationship in our lives. Most important. Prayer would be intimacy with God, meaning we're going to know him and he's going to know us. It's intimacy with God that's going to lead to the fulfillment of his purposes, not mine, but his purposes that are for his glory and my good. It's accomplished by his power, meaning I can't stir this thing up. And it's all for his glory, meaning for his renown. Amen? I think uh, prayer is both awe and intimacy. It's a place of encountering God, and it's a place of conversation with God. And God's going to take us on a journey in this thing called prayer where we have real relationship with him, connecting with him and him with us. How many of you want to have that be your lifestyle? I'm still on that journey, and and I know you are as well. Um, He talks about here in this passage about not being people that have showy prayers, right? This isn't something where we're trying to impress somebody, 
We're not really trying to impress God or people. In fact, he says, I want you to go into a secret place, close the door into a closet, and just you and the Father have a conversation. And he says, when he sees that done in secret, then he's going to reward you openly. I think it's a really wise way to live. If God promises to reward you when you do something, do you think you should do it? Yeah, another good promise. And it encourages me, too, that every time that you spend time with him in that secret place, he's there, he's watching, he's listening, and it really matters to him. Uh, Prayer's not a technique. It's not something that you kind of have to get right. God just wants to be with you. And we can be assured that when we're with him, that his heart's being moved in that encounter. That's having a lifestyle that will have impact, that will change your life and change others around you for the rest of eternity. So I want to I be a man of prayer. I want to learn how to talk to God. And I want to learn how to listen to God and have a conversation with him. Um, I think it's interesting, too, that, you know, if you look at the other parallel passage in Luke 11, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask him the question, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? It doesn't, it never, never do you see the disciples out, Lord, teach us how to preach or teach us how to heal a sick or teach us how to raise the dead. I mean, that's probably what I would have asked. <laughs> like, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> Usually when I pray for people, they get worse, you know. So, <laughs> so what's the connection there? Why did they ask him? And I, I think it's this because after Jesus spent three and a half years with these disciples, they made the connection and understood that Jesus' private prayer life with the Father produced these kind of results in ministry. So I've been asking myself, do I have the kind of prayer life that provokes other people to teach me how to pray? And to be honest, I go, I don't. But that's what I want. Give me such a prayer life that other people want to follow that lead and become a man or a woman of prayer. Here's the deal. If, if you want to have a public ministry, have impact, whether it's a mom, a grandma, in the workplace, it doesn't matter where it is, and no one's better than another. Every one of us has a calling from the Lord equally before Jesus to have impact and have purpose. But if you want to be a, an effective person that has impact for the kingdom of God, then you need to first learn how to live in the secret place. Your private life then will produce a public life of ministry. And you can't get those upside down. Anybody want to have impact in your world? Like make a difference? Then become a person, a man or a woman of prayer that lives in, in the secret place. When nobody else is looking, how do you spend your time? Ooh, good question. <laughs> Amen. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I want to give you four kind of hangers here this morning as we go through it real quick. I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time today. I've got a handout for you on your way out that you can grab that will be just some reminders of what we talked about today. But number one, we want to learn how to pause. Number two, we want to learn how to rejoice. Number three, we want to learn how to ask. And number four, we want to learn how to yield. So let's pray. Isn't that cool? Ah, tricky. 
<laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> so our world is so fast-paced. I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to pray. I actually have a difficult time. Uh, I, I want to. My, my heart wants to. I know yours does as well. You want to have a real relationship with Jesus, but you get into your life, right? Stuff's going so fast. There's so many things coming at you, so much noise. I mean, you get on your little, you know, phones here, and there's like these instant messages, right? It's like truth and information always coming at you. Little, my kids are always showing me these little TikTok videos. I'm like, what are these? This is what a waste of time. But then all of a sudden, I start watching them myself. Oh, that's funny, you know. <laughs> and before you know it, you wasted like an hour, you know. So in order to start praying, you have to stop doing everything else just for a moment. You have to pause in order to get forward in your life of prayer. We've got to take space to be with God. Uh, I, I think the enemy's greatest strategy against your prayer life is distraction. You've heard of like weapons of mass destruction. I like to call it weapons of mass distraction. That's what's coming at us today. All this, these other voices, when we need to set that aside so we can hear the voice of the Lord and get into the Bible. Um, so we got to pause, take a moment to step back, slow down, and be with the Lord. Uh, three things that have helped me in this. Number one, I want to set a schedule and a place so I know when I'm going to pray and where I'm going to pray every day if this is supposed to be a daily lifestyle, okay? I mean, ultimately, I want to get to that point where I'm spending time with God all the time, all day long. I'm abiding in him, have a relationship with him, fellowship with him, friendship with him. But I know, because I'm a man of getting very distracted by things, that I've got to have set aside time just with the Father. Like he said, I've got to get in the secret place. I've got to get in that closet, just me and, and Dad, and have a conversation so that when I go to work and go to family life and the responsibilities that I have, that out of the overflow of that intimacy with the Father, I could now live out of that place of the presence of God. Does that make sense? So set a schedule so that you know when you're going to pray and a place too. I think it's really helpful. I like to set the schedule first thing in the morning. Spend that time and pray this. Next thing, I want to have a prayer list so I know what I'm going to pray. My prayer list always, every day, starts with the Lord's Prayer. I start with these things, and then I have a whole bunch of people that I pray for. My family first, my pastor, right, my neighbors that don't know Jesus, and I go down the list. Okay, so I have a prayer list. I recommend the first thing on that prayer list is some Bible verses. Pray the Bible. Okay, pray the Lord's Prayer. Start there. Really easy. Have a prayer list so you know what you're going to pray. Number three, have a right view of God so that you want to pray. This is the most important thing in prayer, I think. We need to know who God is. If I came to you right now and said, your father is madly in love with you. He's crazy about you. In fact, he's been dreaming about you throughout all eternity. He's always, you're always on his mind. You are his dream come true. You're the special object of his affections. You're his beloved son or daughter. You make him happy. He doesn't just love you, he likes you. Does that make you want to pray, to come to that kind of a God? That's who he is. He's a good father. Amen? I want to approach a father like that. He's the kindest person you will ever meet. In fact, I think our father is better than we think he is. I do. 
I think he's doing a lot more than we think he's doing. And I think he wants to do a lot more in your life than you think he does. Our Father, that's how it starts. What's interesting to me is I studied this uh, throughout, you know, even at, at the time of Christ and throughout church history. One of the things that I learned is that these phrases, your kingdom come, your will be done, hallowed be your name, etc. All these phrases were Jewish phrases that Jews would pray all the time. They knew these very well. It wasn't like new ways to pray. Except for one word. What do you think it was? Father. It was the one word that they would never address God as. He turns the Jewish prayer life all the way upside down. I want you to talk to God the same way that I do. Father. Isn't that great news? We've been invited into a relationship with the Father like Jesus has always had with the Father. Amen. So that's how we start our Father in heaven. So God wants us to pause, right, P, pause, to spend time with the Father in that secret place. And, and when we come to the Father, we start in that place of friendship and intimacy with him. I like to use little things to help me with that. I like to say, Father, you are. And then I think of some of his names. And I agree with who he is, who he says he is. You are glory. Father, you are righteous, you are holy, you are good. And I just agree with him. And then I like to say, God, uh, Father, you have. And I go through all of his like char characteristics and attributes. <laughs> you have passion for me. You have great dreams. You have, I go through some of the list of what he looks like around the throne. You have, you have, you have. And then I like to say, you do. First of all, I start with what you've done. I go through a bunch of things in my life or maybe in the Bible, things that God's done. I just agree with those and, and, and pray them back to God. And then I go, God, not only have you done that, but now you're going to do that because you're a God of promise that answers prayer. You are going to, and I agree, and I agree, and I agree. Isn't that a great way to start? You could take like an hour just doing that. <laughs> That's a good laugh. I'll do it too. <laughs> Father, you are, you have, you do, you will do, you have done. And I just agree with the Lord. And I ask God for more revelation about what that means. And the Holy Spirit will show me more about who the Father is. Amen. Our Father in heaven, what's next? Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. So next we don't want to go to the, the word rejoice. Um. Our Father is not just a Father we come to in terms of intimacy, but He's also God. He's holy. He's set apart. There's none like Him. He's breathtaking, astounding, brilliant. We don't take Him for granted. We don't treat Him casually. Hallowed be your name, your fame, your reputation, who you are and what you do. And I like to set my heart there after I've had some intimacy with time with Him with dad, with my father, and then I want to get to that right alignment and say, you are God, I'm not. <laughs> and I want to fear the Lord. I want to stand in awe of him. It's good? No, it's so important. He really is God, trust me. When we're praying for God to come and refine us, he's going to do that. This, this <laughs> I found so many times when the Holy Spirit really comes, whoo, 
it's awesome, and then it's terrible. Like I feel his joy, and then I get convicted of sin, and I have to confess. And then I feel cleansed again. It's an amazing journey of intimacy and awe. Right? This is part of the journey of prayer. But we want to get to that place of rejoicing. Um, we live down in Arizona right now, and if you go to the Grand Canyon, um, you would never go and, and look out at the Grand Canyon and declare to the universe, I'm awesome. <laughs> no, you just don't. <laughs> You're not thinking about yourself in that moment. Or if you look up at the northern lights, right, you go, oh, I'm amazing, God. No, no, no. Guys, this is all about him. We are hardwired for wonder, to worship, to be fascinated. I always get amazed when people come to a worship service and I say, well, how is worship today? And they well, I didn't really like the worship music. I didn't like worship today. And I'm like, that makes no sense to me. Worship is not about you. It's all about God. Did he change? No, he's totally holy still. I don't care how it sounded. <laughs> Did you enter into the worship that's happening right now in heaven? It really has nothing to do with you. It's about him. He's the one we treasure. He's the one we rejoice in. And him as our treasure is our greatest satisfaction. That's how God made you. So can we get our eyes off ourselves a little bit and put them on him? What do you think? You'll be like way happier. I look at myself and I go, oh, no. <laughs> God looks at me and he says he likes me. But when I look at myself, I go, oh, my goodness. But when I look at Jesus, I'm like fascinated, captured forever. Rejoice. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You start there. It's all it's like an upward stroke in prayer. Uh, next, ask. I think that's the most simple thing that prayer is is a simple ask of God. We recognize we can't do anything apart from him, and we need him. We're dependent on him. We're desperate for him in the real things of life. How many of you are desperate for God to, for a touch from God? How many of you need God today? Everybody should raise your hand, please. Yeah, All of us are needy people. We don't recognize it yet, but we really are. We need God, and so we need to come to that place of asking. Um, <clears throat> this asking it wraps up for me, just in a simple way, the next three petitions. There's actually seven total. Our Father in heaven, what? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. Be our provider. Number five, forgive us our sins as we forgive our, uh, those who sin against us. Number six, lead us. Number seven, deliver us. Seven petitions. All under the banner of our Father, we're asking. So these next three are asks now. Your kingdom come, your will be done, and give us this day our daily bread. So everything from kingdom come to daily bread, right? God, we're asking you now to do these things. Let's take a quick peek at my notes here. Hallelujah. Um, let's uh, look at uh, John 14, 13 and 14. Jesus says this, And whatever you ask in my name, I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What a great promise. In fact, in John 14 through 16, Jesus asked the disciples, and he's asking us, 
to ask him or the Father for his will to be done. In fact, he, he asked them to ask him six times. He really wants us to ask. There's a challenge to ask six times, ask me or ask my father. And then there's a right way to ask in these passages, right? How do we ask him in a right way? In his name, meaning for his renown, for his glory, meaning we pray according to his will. We're not trying to change his mind. He's got great purposes. We align ourselves with his purpose. We ask him and then he does it. Simple prayer. And that's the, that's the third part there is it's, we have an assurance of our prayer. When we ask and ask the right way, then we have the promise that he'll do it. Simple faith. I want to get the whole earth, every believer on the planet, asking every day, God's will be done. I do. What would happen? It's called revival. <laughs> I mean, really, God responds every time. He promises to do it. God releases his power and his truth and his love in response to the prayers of his people. That's what he says right there. Ask and I'll do it. It's prayer 101. Sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. Right? I want to ask for big stuff too and then have faith that he's going to do it. Okay. I, don't know, I thought that was pretty cool. But <laughs> Let's think of prayer this way. How about um, standing in the gap? We call this intercession, Okay where we take hold of God and his heart and what he wants to do. God, we, we take his heart, his hand, right? And then we hold the hand of somebody else on the earth, a person or a circumstance or situation, and we say, God, would you do this for them so that you'd be glorified, right? And we're like in the, in the middle, right? Hold on to God. We say, Lord, would you do this? And then he does it. Now, one of the words in Hebrew for intercession, that standing in the gap, is paga. Everybody say paga. Paga. That's a cool word. Paga. <laughs> uh, it literally means to strike the mark or to lay upon. And the picture in the natural is lightning. Okay, so think about lightning. It gets motivated from the heavens above, comes from the ground up. You don't see it on the way up. And then comes down and strikes the earth and hits the mark. Okay, so what comes, goes up must come down. That's prayer. <laughs> what do we do? Father, would you bring your kingdom? Father, act as king today in my wife's life. Right? And do it for your glory and for her joy. And then he tells me, go do the dishes. No. <laughs> and she'll see the evidence of the kingdom. <laughs> you guys, you have to go be willing to be the answer to your prayers too, right? Yeah, we can't just ask. Sometimes we need to go do what God asks us to do out of obedience. But it starts with prayer, right? It starts with before God. That's how we live, before God. And then, Lord, do it on the earth. <sighs> so we paint targets for the Lord in prayer where we're asking certain things for him. And then he answers it and releases his power. The surrender part is we don't always know how he's going to answer it or when he's going to answer it. Ouch. Right? Your kingdom come. Well, we live in this reality of the, the kingdom is here already. It's now. It's happening. It's present among us. Because Jesus, the king, is here. But we know the kingdom's coming too. Lots of promises. 
The kingdom is still coming. So we live in this in-between age right now, and we're asking God for his kingdom to increase in every sphere of society, in everything in our life, but we know that it's not going to be here in full. That's the tension and prayer and the mystery sometimes. Here's what I've learned, though. When I ask him, he always responds to me. Something always happens, and in most cases, it's better than what I even asked for. <laughs> That's his nature and his essence. So sometimes I get a wait, you know, but it's only because he's got a better answer for me. Not quite lined up in, 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 yet, you know, in the specifics. But your God will respond to your prayers. We had a phrase in the Light of the World Prayer Center where I used to serve. Little keys open big doors. <laughs> if you become a, a man or a woman of prayer, you can take this little key called prayer. Right? Just simple asks. Simple prayer. Praying through the Lord's Prayer every day. And God will use you like a key to open up a big door called revival and awakening. It's like you become that hinge of history. Whoa! And history changes. Because of your weak prayer, going up before God, he hears it, it moves his heart, he answers with a divine yes, boom, earth changes. Ha! That's a good way to live. I like it. I remember we were in Washington, D.C. I love this story. <laughs> no, really. Uh, with Lou Angle doing a, 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 a prayer strike for Washington, D.C., had 70,000 young adults coming there a little bit early, and we'd line up at the Lincoln Memorial. My friend David Stravesky, he's there, and he's got a one of those little Polaroid cameras, remember those? <laughs> you click and it, <laughs> gotta wave it. <laughs> Do you guys know what those are? The Polaroids, yeah, sweet. See, he lines us up, and you see the Washington Monument in the back and the Capitol, and he's like, okay, guys, ready? Five, four, three, two, one, smile, click. Lightning strikes the Washington Monument, and we get it on camera. I have the picture. <laughs> the next day, he shows his picture. He sits down to this guy, you know, 70,000 people, and he happens to sit down, just happens to, to the guy that cleans the Washington Monument. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Out of that many people. And he says, can I show you what happened yesterday? He shows him. He's amazing because he says lightning only strikes the Washington Monument once a year. And you got it on freaking camera. <laughs> Isn't it a great story? That's what we were doing, coming to pray, and God was going to answer our prayers and, and release his power and strike the, the capital, our government, you know, whatever, however you want to describe it. But isn't that cool? So let's see the lightnings of God go forth. Amen. Yes. Uh, really did sense that God wanted to heal people today and bring deliverance, and I think he was doing that. And he still wants to do that. That's his heart. That's his nature. Um, and um, I just want to share a quick healing story to, to build your faith today. I, I was, uh, was a few years ago, my neighbor had a coronary heart attack, basically dies. Um, she ends up at the hospital. I get the call, hey, need you to come down and, and help pastor the family. She's not going to make it. We're just getting ready to sign the documents and take her off life support. She has no brain activity, none. Right? So I come down, and I hear the Lord speak to me. And he says, I want to heal her. I'm like, what? <laughs> that's that's, that's got to be bad pizza. I can't be the Holy Spirit. 
Lord, she's dead. I mean, I, you know. <laughs> he says, she doesn't know me, and her family doesn't know me, and I want to heal her today. And so I had total unbelief, promise. I didn't, <laughs> I believe God heals when I'm like, that can't be true. <laughs> Must be a, I don't, you know, trying to think of a different interpretation or something. So I get up to the hospital. I talk to the husband. He's a total wreck. Um, talk to the nurses, just checked in. Yeah, they're going to take her off. Maybe 30 minutes, they're going to take her off life support, and she's, she's going to, you know, be gone. Um, I said to the husband, I said, hey, I just, I, I kind of chickened out, honestly. <laughs> I said, could I pray for your wife? I didn't tell her that, or tell him that God was going to heal your wife, but anyways. And he said, yeah, please do. And he's kind of thinking, you know, last rites, and they've been to a Catholic church before once, and so... I go up and I lay my hands on her. I say, just like in the Bible, I say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who came in the flesh, be healed. Boom. Light shoots out of my hand. No, really. And she wakes up. She comes up off the bed. She's choking on all the things. I mean, like, yeah. It was not me. I had no faith. <laughs> all I did was ask. That's it. <laughs> God answered. She goes back to work two weeks later, no brain uh, damage at all. And uh, a couple months later, she was at our church at Christ the King, and we shared the gospel, and she came forward and got saved. So praise God. So God heals today. Yeah. Yeah. But I've, I've, I've seen it. I've seen healing. I've also been in this journey, too, of my wife, who hasn't been healed yet, struggling with migraine headaches for 20 years plus. Bad ones. And I lay hands on her, and I don't see anything happen. And so there's this really hard tension between, I've seen God heal a whole bunch of people, and I've also been in the other place, and this tension of like, God, how come you're not? But here's the thing. I'm still believing for healing. And I'm praying for it by faith. And I'm asking every God, do this. Do this. Someday this testimony is going to go forth across the earth. <laughs> She'll share it. Uh, but if you're here today in either one of those spaces, you need healing, and you've been struggling, you have pain, God wants to meet you there, and he wants to heal you. But I want to pastor you too and say, we love you, and we're here with you. It's a healing church. And, and, you're gonna, and, and this church is going to walk with you no matter how long it takes to see God's kingdom fully break forth. Amen? Amen. Ask. Yield. Next. These are the next ones. Um, <clears throat> Let me give you, can I give you one more thing? One little key to healing I've found. And I believe this too. And, and let me just share just a personal testimony too with you. Maybe that verse next, um, next slide if it's up there. This is my favorite Bible verse in the world. Maybe it's not up there, no? Uh, yeah, there it is. Yep. No, not that one. Uh, the John 6. There it is. John 6, 56. Jesus says this, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So we know that we can only bear fruit if we abide in God, right? And we know that when we abide in him and he in us, and we ask him and then he does it. So it's a key to answer prayer. So then how do we abide? Jesus says it right here. This is how we abide. We eat his flesh and we drink his blood. Now that might sound really weird to you, but here's what it means. Spiritually, you feast on the crucified Christ, his body that was broken and given to you and his blood that was shed. 
And so what I do is I get up, try to, get up every day, and during this part of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. What's the best bread ever given? The ultimate provision of all. The body of Christ. (laughs) His body is the greatest provision of all. And so I like to meditate on Jesus and him crucified. I go to the passion verses. I go to the places of the cross. I go to the promises of the finished work of the cross. Hallelujah. (laughs) I go to Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22, and I enter into those passages and those places where it describes to me when Jesus was being crucified. And I literally take it in by faith. I agree with it. I believe it. and, And then I take it in. I eat it, in a sense, and I drink it, in a sense, spiritually, okay? And I actually have my little communion cup, you know, those little ones that don't, you know, that they, they, you take the top off, there's a little cracker on top, a little grape juice, I use those, you don't have to put them in the fridge, so I got a whole box of them in my office, I take one a day, and I do communion in my office with the Lord. Sometimes I do it with my family, and my kids, and my wife, but this is so critical for healing. Because healing is in the atonement, right? We're healed by his what? Stripes. By his, there's life in the blood. And so you got to meditate on the cross. And as you do that, you'll see power break forth. It's also a key to holiness because it brings us into that place of the abiding presence of God. There was a a time, I'll just be super vulnerable with you, my addiction. There was a time years ago when I struggled with lust. And I got caught by my wife and I had to come clean and confess my sin. It just about ruined our marriage. I had to go to counseling, and I had to, you know, get an accountability group, and it was, it was really difficult, honestly. You know, tra- training to be a pastor, and here I am stuck in this sin that God hates. And the Lord took me to, the, to this, and when I began to meditate on the cross, power and deliverance came over lust. Hallelujah. I really mean it, guys. If there's anybody in here struggling with that every day, I mean, God will deliver you from the demon today, but you need daily provision from the Lord to stay as a man or a woman of purity. And I tell you, this is the challenge of the age today. I've been working down at Arizona Christian University, and our whole school, every dude in the school is looking at porn. I promise you. I had one guy come up to me, and he slept with 36 women on campus. This is a Christian school. Guys, we need deliverance from sexual immorality in these days. Agree? And I'm right there with you guys. I got to work on this every day, every day. But this is what helped me overcome by eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood spiritually. Hallelujah. So please uh, pay attention to that. I'm sorry. I'm taking too long here, aren't I, dude? I'm going to wrap up. Okay, God. <laughs> yield. Let's go next to yield, and then we'll be done. Uh, the final step in the dance of prayer is surrender. It's like this clenched fist that starts to open up before God. Say, God, I surrender to you, my life, my will, my authority. Right? Uh, I make myself available to you now, like we prayed today in the, during worship. We begin to yield. Like, it's like an athlete that kind of goes down in that ice bath, right? <sighs> fully yours, fully surrendered. These are the next prayers. All right, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We've got to learn how to receive his forgiveness, and we have to release forgiveness to others that have hurt us and wounded us and offended us. We've got to yield them. Right? God's given us a clean slate. 
Like as if we've never sinned, we need to give that to other people now. It doesn't mean you're not going to feel the pain still. You might the rest of your life, but you've got to make a conscious choice because God forgave you to forgive them now. And you, and you yield them to the Lord. And then we yield in God's leadership in our lives. Lead us, not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Right? We're, we're saying, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give myself to you now. And my welfare in the midst of the warfare, I am fully yours. I know I'm vulnerable to temptation, vulnerable to sin. But you're here, and I'm asking you for help now. I'm yours, and I give myself to you now as I, as I go out into the battle, into the fray of life. Amen? Pray. P is pause. R is rejoice. <laughs> it's the best one. <laughs> Invitation to adoration. Okay. What's next? Ask and then yield. Lord Jesus, teach us how to pray. God, I thank you for this church. I pray this church would be a house of prayer, a house of deliverance, a house of healing, a house of praise. Ultimately, God, I pray this church would be a family. Lord, they would learn how to love, love you and love one another. God, I bless them today to be a blessing to this city in Jesus' name.